Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. They had the tabernacle that was built. One of the things that they were instructed to do is that the altar that was outside, I believe, or in the outer courts, I believe it was called the brazen altar, if I'm not mistaken, continually, daily, put sacrifices on it, and they were always burning sacrifices. And the Lord lit that fire from the beginning, but then he instructed them, and he said, it's your job to keep that fire going. It's your job to make sure that that flame doesn't go out. Amen. And I believe that when we got born again and the presence of God came to dwell on the inside of us, that there is an all-consuming fire that's there. And so it's almost like we have, to, we have to learn to rightly divide the word of truth. Otherwise, it sounds like we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. Because in one sense, we're saying that we need a fire. On the other sense, we're saying that that fire is already in us. And both are true. It's true what God's given us and placed on the inside, it's more than enough. But at the same time, it needs to be fanned. Amen? And it's not that what God gave isn't enough or big enough, but it's that the more we get out of the way, the more he can consume the stuff in our life that needs to be consumed to deal with it. Hallelujah. How many of y'all know we're not playing around? God's not playing around. He's serious about his business. He's serious about his people. And I believe with everything in me that the day that we're living in is a very holy day. And the Lord is calling us to come up to another level. Wherever you're at, whatever you're dealing with, the Lord's calling you up higher. Whatever it is that is holding you back, the Lord wants you to lay that at the altar. He wants you to put it in the fire and turn up the heat. Whatever thing you want to use, whatever analogy you want to you use, that's what God's asking. It's not about everything that you know. It's not about memorizing a whole book of the Bible, although that would be great. This is about submission, submission to him. Todd White said one of the most amazing things. He said, he said it's so sad to see people that give their heart to the Lord, but they never give their life to the Lord. I personally believe the single biggest, and I think I've said this about a few things, but maybe there's a few things that are the single biggest problem. This would be one of them, is that people, they get saved and they understand that they're right with God, but they never come into a place of conforming to him. And the reason is that they never really truly died at the altar. When they got saved, they got born again. And the Lord's called us to go back, if necessary, go back to that place, lay all of our stuff out, and let God just consume all of it. Because fortunately, we have a place here where there's no shame. There's no judgment. In fact, there's just like a lack of a fear of judgment. People are coming out of the woodwork saying, I've got this problem. I've had that problem. I've been dealing with this for years. I've been struggling with this for a long time. Will you please help me? 
I had a dream. What does it what does it say? Well, we believe it's saying this. The tears flow and they say, yes, that's me. I've been dealing with that. I've been having that problem. That's speaking directly to my issue. And then you know what happens? Is that people get the thing lifted off because they place it over on the Lord instead of carrying that thing. God's saying that he's put a mantle on us to be able to handle those things. Come on now. These are, these are I'm talking about real stuff, real problems, real demons, if you will, that people face. A lot of times people think that demonic spirits are just over in Africa somewhere with all the witch doctors. I got news for you. A large percentage of people sitting in churches today are battling heavy, heavy, heavy demonic stuff because they ha- there's not been a place where they've been able to go to and say, I've been dealing with this, will you help? Because they always feel like they're either going to have the finger pointed at them because that's what they've gotten from people or the enemy has lied to them and made them believe that if they do tell, if they do reveal, if they do come to get their stuff healed, that people are going to do that even though the people are not going to do that. So if the enemy's been speaking that lie to you, it's time you squelch that lie. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to take a few minutes, and this is what I want to share about. And this is so strong on my heart. I woke up very early this morning, and the Lord began to speak to me about how important it is for us to have resolve and when you talk about resolve, it's where you come to a resolution on the inside is what I'm talking about. But you have resolve that you are going to contend with every evil thing that comes your way. And you will be willing to contend with the evil that's been there that's been pushed off to the side. You say, man, I thought you were a grace preacher. Man, this is, this is grace 101 right here. It says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We're actually called to live at a higher level than the rest of the world. God's called us to that. God, you can live, you can live at a lower level, and God will love you. He will. He'll love you. I believe you'll still go to heaven when you die, but you're going to live in hell here on this earth. And so people for years, many people for years have been living in hellacious conditions because they haven't understood that they can go and they can place their issues, their stuff over on the Lord. And either they didn't know that or or didn't know how to do it or they didn't have a place set up to where they could do that. You can do that here. We have broad shoulders in this church. You could not possibly come and tell us anything, I don't think, anything that we haven't already heard. And most likely, we've already seen somebody set free from it. Not because we're anything special. And I say we, primarily, I mean Laurie and Ron and myself. And there's others too. We, if we're going to go where God wants us to go, we have to be willing to step into the fire and let all the, the nastiness get burnt off. Come on now. That requires a humbling of your heart. And you know, one of the things that happens is that when people see their shame, because see, sin is, feels good on the flesh. Otherwise, people wouldn't do it. 
mean, sin is an enjoyable thing. That's why people do it. So it's easy on the flesh, but it's very hard on the conscience. And then people end up living a life that is a shame-based life. And we see this all the way back in the garden. And whenever Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They immediately recognized that they were naked. And then they went and they covered themselves with leaves, which is a type of man's work, man's ability. And then when the Lord come, he said, you know, who told you you were naked? And here's what's so awesome is that the Lord immediately went and killed an animal and he clothed them. And he took away their shame. And you know that Jesus bore our shame on the cross? You say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how powerful the cross is. It has the ability to take every ounce of shame away that you've been living in. I mean, I lived in shame for things for years before I finally had enough boldness to finally go and say, I need help, and then lay it over and let God begin to deal. And once you do that, there is a freedom there that is indescribable. And when you're caught in the middle, and I don't mean somebody caught you, but when you're caught up in the middle of, and it doesn't have to be some big nasty sin, as we might say, but it could just be you're overwhelmed with fear. It could be, it could be all kinds of things. When you're caught in the middle of it, a lie that the enemy would bring to you is that you can't be free. It's too big. You've been dealing with it for too long. It's too much of a struggle. And then if you believe that, then he might, he might even get you to believe that that's the thing that God wants you to have because that's just the way that you were made. Listen, you were made in the image of God. And you were made You were made with the ability, it's in your DNA, to fight anything that doesn't belong to you. It's in your spiritual makeup to see something that's wrong, to see something that's out of place, to see a lie, to look fear straight in the face, to do battle with that thing, and to win every time as part of who you are. It says in Exodus, let's go there real quick. Exodus chapter 15. Oh, this is powerful. Exodus 15. And we're going to go to chapter 1. Did I say chapter 1? Verse 1. You can't go to chapter 15 and chapter 1 at the same time. Chapter 15, verse 1. And I'm going to start reading. Exodus 15 and 1, it says, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My, father, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Now, let me stop there for a moment. At this point, they were already out of Egypt. Egypt was a, and is a type and shadow. 
It's a picture of what our life was like before Christ. We were in bondage. We were in Pharaoh's camp. We were in a place of darkness. We were slaves, right? And so then the Lord came and delivered. And in their case, God sent Moses, the deliverer, and said, let my people go. And after a, a, enough times, finally the people were released. But you know what's interesting is that even though the people were released from the place of bondage, that bondage still tried to track them down and destroy them. Just because you come out of the, the camp of darkness doesn't mean that you're walking totally free from the darkness that you came out of. Really important. You may not have a, a horse and a chariot and a whole army chasing you, but I can promise you the things that were in your life before you got saved... Until you deal with those things will still be in your life even after you get saved. Even after you come out of bondage. And you say, well, I was saved. And for me, I was. I was saved at seven. I wasn't really out in the world much up until that, that point, right? But I come to find out later on is that I had particular things that were either in my flesh because of the way that my father... And my grandfather and my great-grandfather did. Or there was things that I learned through watching people's behavior that became part of my thought processes. I think you can pluralize that. It became part of the way that I was thinking. And I began to develop wrong thinking, wrong understanding. And some of it came, like I said, from learned behavior, but some of it came and was already there because it was things that were passed down to me. Now, I didn't used to believe in generational curse stuff. I went to a school that didn't believe in generational curse stuff or generational curses. I don't have to say curse stuff, but curses. And I think that you can go overboard with it for sure. But if you find things that are dogging your tracks and you can't figure out why, there's a really good chance that you have something in your natural DNA that you haven't rid yourself of. Now, this, for some of you, you might be thinking, oh, I don't know. Where is this stuff coming from? This is coming from me being set free, me watching other people be set free, and there's things in the Scripture that reveal that this is true. So my argument before was used to be Jesus has set us free from, the, from any kind of curse, and I agree with that. That doesn't mean we're walking in it. That doesn't mean we're walking in the freedom. We understand this on a natural level because when people go to the doctor, they'll go to, you know, you'll have the, the questions that will get asked to you. Do you have a history of cancer in your family? Do you have a history of heart disease in your family? And Christians don't seem to have a problem saying, oh, yeah, we've got heart disease. Now, I don't say that because I don't believe that I have heart disease in me, even though it was in my family, because it's been bought and paid for. But I also take authority over my heart and my body. I don't just say, well, I've been saved, so it's all been dealt with. It has been put underneath of the blood, but we have to enforce what's been placed underneath of the blood. It's not us fighting to get something, but it's us fighting to enforce what God says about us. So people understand that from a natural standpoint, 
But yet when it comes to spiritual things, even though a lot of physical sickness does come from spiritual issues. In fact, I would say most. Maybe not the common cold or something, but you know, there are people that have the common cold a lot. You know why that is? Because there's something probably demonically based that's causing them to have the common cold a lot. People that have a history of cancer in their family. There's a reason. There's a spiritual reason why. It's not because they drank too much orange juice or whatever. I heard, I heard a study years ago that said orange juice is proven to fight cancer. And it wasn't, I don't know, five or seven years later, I heard another study that said orange juice is, can cause cancer. I thought, you know, a lot of the, the bless their people in hearts, the, the medical people do the best they can, but they can't see things. They can't see into the spirit. They don't understand that. I had a family member come to me one time, and they were talking to me about their problems. And I don't know if it was a word of knowledge or I forget now, but I just told them, I guess it was a word of knowledge. I said, they won't find anything. And they, they said, when they were going to get all these tests done, they said, what do you mean? I said, what you're dealing with is a spiritual thing. They're not going to find the root cause. They'll treat the symptoms, but they're not going to deal with the root cause of it. So when it comes to the natural things, most people will say, yeah, okay, I could deal with a heart condition because my dad had a heart condition. But when it comes to spiritual things, sometimes we have a hard time understanding this. We need to understand this. My, and my family, let me tell you, my, and my dad began to walk in freedom in a lot of these areas, or at least recognize it, praise God, and so brought us up with some kind of an understanding. But his dad and his dad, which would have been my grandfather and my great-grandfather, womanizers, and they were full of, of anger. I mean, serious anger problems. And you know that there, I was never a womanizer. Let me make that clear. But that area, when I was young, I had to overcome those things and didn't understand why it was so difficult for me. And then I realized, my God, my, my grandpa, okay, no one too young in here. My grandpa used to take my dad with him to go see his girlfriend, and I'll just leave it at that. And after that girlfriend, the next girlfriend, he had, my grandpa had a girlfriend. He was married two times. He had a girlfriend, multiple girlfriends, through his entire marriages. That's a generational problem that, that he had. And my dad was raised in that, and praise God, he didn't, he didn't walk in that, amen? But you know something that we did carry in our family was anger, serious anger problems. I tell people that, and they're like, man, I can't believe that you had anger. I had, listen, I didn't have anger. I had serious anger problems. I, I punched holes in walls. I broke a drain pipe when I was in Colorado, and I, I don't remember what happened. It was a money problem, and I took a chair in, in our basement and threw it, and there was a drain, and I broke the drain pipe. And anyways, one time Liz and I, she broke up with me. No, I broke up with her. She never broke up with me, but I broke up with her. <laughs> and she should have broke up with me, honestly. I was a mess. I broke up with her, and then we got back together and broke up with her. I got, like, this went on for a long time. And then I remember one time where she would not talk to me on the phone. I, from, 
If it would have been me, I would have driven to my house and punched me in the face. I mean, that, if it would have been reversed, I was a mess. Anyways, so I took the phone and I threw it, broke the phone. It was mom and dad's phone, broke the phone, and left a hole in the door. So I had to go buy a new phone, and that hole was in that door all the way to the point to where they sold their house. And every time I went there, I was like, yep, that was the old Kent. That was what you used to do. But I had to... I had to go in and begin to deal with those things that were, that were in me. I was already a believer. I already had been filled with the Holy Ghost. I had a relationship with Jesus. I loved God. But I had things that were still chasing me down that I hadn't crossed over the Red Sea and allowed the Lord to go ahead and just totally bury my enemies like it needed to be. But I can tell you on the other side, whatever it is that you're struggling with, you can get to the other side and watch your enemies be buried, never to rise again. Matter of fact, if you go on and you you read, and I'm going to come back to verse 3, but if you go on and read in verse 10, it says, actually verse 9, let's start there. It says, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Anybody ever felt like the enemy was saying that about you? But look at verse 10. And it says about the Lord, you blew, uh, you blew with your wind. The sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. <laughs> when I read that, I said, We serve the same God that they serve that brought them out of bondage. And not only out of bondage, but the obstacles in the way part of the Red Sea crossed over and the enemies were destroyed in the midst of it. We serve the exact same God. Go back to verse 3. It says, the Lord is a man of war. I've thought this verse, about this verse many times over the years. I remember the first time I ever had a conversation with someone about it, and I still didn't know what it meant. But this is talking about his nature. God's very nature is that he is a warrior. It's not the only thing that he is, but it's part of who he is. He's a fighter. He's a man of war. And the Lord doesn't fight any battles that are unjust battles because he's a just God. So any battle that he would fight, he's justified in fighting that battle. And so fighting battles is a right thing. As a matter of fact, the verse that says, be sure your sin will find you out. I was just talking with someone about this the other day, but was that you? Yeah, be sure your sin will find you out. I've heard that preached before, like, if you're living in sin, be sure your sin will find you out. You know, I'm getting, actually getting very good at that. And it was like... To make everybody cringe and go, oh, Jesus, that thought that I was, ah, I, I cast it over because I don't want someone to find out. That's not what that verse is talking about. You might be able to apply it there. But that, you go and read that in context. I think it's in Joshua. You go and read it in context. It's actually saying the sin of not going to war will find you out. The Lord is a man of war, and it says that we are created in his likeness and in his image. You know what that tells me, tells us? 
that we also are people of war. But if we don't get resolve to pick up our swords and contend with the enemy at everything that he's coming against us with, get out of shame and get out of self-effort. Shame in the garden was recognizing their nakedness. Self-effort was when they tried to cover themselves. You can try to cover yourself the best you can. As, as soon as it would have, well, it didn't rain at that point until Noah came, but as soon as that probably got wet or something, how many of y'all know them fig leaves, or I don't know if it's fig leaves, whatever it was, was it fig leaves? Yeah, those leaves would have done something and fallen off, right? So our covering will only last so long and be so good. But the Lord did what was necessary, and the shedding of blood is always a thing that, will, that always covers sin. And Jesus' blood has covered sin, and it's covered our nakedness, and it's covered our shame. But we have to take it, and we have to apply it. And the way you apply that is to stop trying to cover up the things that are problems, but go to a brother or a sister in the Lord that is mature and is able to help you overcome that thing, and say, I need help. Will you help me? And for me, I operate according to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. It says that when a, I think it says when a brother is overtaken in a trespass, restore that one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted, something along those lines. But it's a spirit of gentleness. Oh, God's very gentle with people. He's very gentle. Look in the old covenant, maybe not so much, but on this side of the cross, he's very gentle with how he deals with people. And so what is holding, the thing that's holding you back, you have to ask yourself, why are you hanging on to that thing any longer? Some of y'all might be going, come on, pastor, this is, a, this is a bit deep. I mean, you think people are really struggling? Yes, I do. We want to go where God wants us to go. And we want to go where we want to go with God. We have to be willing to say, God, I'm going to lay it all on the line. And lay it on the line. Give him everything and watch, watch what he does. You know, it feels really good to be free. I guarantee you when those Israelites crossed over and they, they and you, you know, the, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened is why. But when they, you would have thought that if, the Israelites, that the water was parted for them, <laughs> they crossed over. You would have thought that the, the Egyptians would have had enough sense to think this huge wall probably just could maybe come crashing down on me, but they didn't, didn't have enough sense because their heart was hardened, I suppose, was the reason. But it feels really good to be on the other side, to turn around and look at it and watch the waves come crashing down and watch your enemy sink like lead to the bottom. But I can almost promise you that you can't do it on your own. That's why it's continued to be a battle and a struggle and an issue and a problem year after year after year after year after year after year, etc. Heavy, I know. But the Lord's in the business of helping people. This is how you help people. You tell them the truth and you stretch out a hand and say, you you can make it to the other side. But let me tell you, let me exhort you, you have six minutes. You are a person of war because you're created in his image. You have the ability, you have the tools, 
And part of the tools you have are the people that are around you that care for you and love you so much. There are people in this room, but in this church in general, that are head over heels in love with you, and you are them. And body ministry brings things to the light because God works in the light. I heard this recently, and it helped me so much. The Lord doesn't do his work in the darkness. That's where the enemy does his work. The Lord does his work in the light. So if things are left in darkness, the Lord can't deal with those things. When they're brought to the light, the Lord can deal with those things. This could put a smile on people's face that have come across the Red Sea. This could be heavy for people that are approaching the Red Sea and the waters are not parted and the enemy is right on your heels. But the truth is, is that God's a miracle working God. I don't care what you've been struggling with. God can, can and will set you free. If you'll take the, the rod of God and you'll stretch it out, whatever that looks like in your situation, stretch it out and watch God part the waters. And you know the thing is, is that he not only parted the waters, he made, it this, he made the, the ground. I mean, you just think about water that had been sitting there on ground. It would have been all mushy. It, would, it was easy for him to walk across. I mean, I wasn't there, but I just, I'm sure that it wasn't just mud. God made a pathway for him. Man, he's, he's that good. I have to show you this other verse. In Psalm 18, and we're going to finish with this, Psalm 18. Are you getting something great out of this? Man, I'm getting something good out of it. Psalm 18. I love this passage. So well that I can't find it. <laughs> Psalm 18. Oh, this is wonderful. Psalm 18:31. We're going to start there and read a few verses. It says, for who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It, is God? it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on my high places. Now I was thinking about the feet of a deer. And actually, feet of is in italics. So... You could take that out, and you could just say that he makes my feet like the deer. When you watch a deer, if you, a hunter, you have to sit really, 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 really still if you're going to do something to get a deer, right? This is, I've been this, doing this for a while now with kids, and it doesn't work very well because they don't sit very still. But anyways, you have to sit still if you're going to get a deer because they're always watching they're always on the lookout, almost, almost freaky. Like, they don't even walk through the woods with any kind of calm or ease. If they hear an acorn drop, in the spirit, we're supposed to be the same way. Something happens, we see something, not to where we walk around paranoid. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that we should, we should walk circumspectly and walk in the light, walk with our head up, always looking because we know that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? And so we should always be on the lookout. But look at this next verse in verse 34. It says, he teaches my hands to make war. So for all of the, 
Well, I don't say that. But for all the people that are so anti-war, look, I don't like war because I don't, I don't want to see people die. But sometimes war is necessary. In the natural, it is right for nations to defend themselves and to defend people that can't defend themselves. It's a right, godly, moral, upright thing to do. In the spirit, it is also right, and it's also a necessity if we are going to win. I wrote this down earlier, and I, I have to say this so I don't forget to say it because it's so important. I refuse to live impressed by the devil. Some people talk about the devil so much that it's almost like they're impressed by him. I refuse to live impressed by the devil, but neither will I be ignorant of his devices. Amen? And isn't that us? We're not impressed by him, but we're not ignorant of his devices. Oh, and I had so much more. Oh, let me say this too. Nope, I'm going to finish with another verse. You have to give it. You're going to be glad when you give me three more minutes. Let me finish reading this verse. So verse 34, and then I'm going to go somewhere else real quickly. It says, he teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. When you get on the enemy's tail with whatever it is that he has against you, that he has an accusation, that he has something to come and try to trip you up with, be it fear, be it some form of sin, be it a whatever it is, you have to get a resolve in your heart that you are going to overtake him and you are going to pursue him till he's over, overtaken. And then the next part of that verse says, neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. It's not enough to just say, in Jesus' name, get out of here. That might be a good start. But then you need to watch and see how the enemy would come back against you with lies and things. And you need to see how, you need to begin to recognize how he works. Man, I wish I had time to get into this right now, but I don't. Oh, I dealt with, with rejection was my thing. I dealt with severe rejection. For a lot of years, I wasn't really rejected. It was more of a fear of rejection is what I, what I dealt with until I finally wisened up and realized that the rejection that I, that I did get, most of it, unbeknownst to the people that rejected me, was demonically inspired to try to keep me in a place of feeling like that people really didn't care about me. And so I always viewed situations and circumstances through that filter. But when I wisened up to how the enemy worked, I would, I would hear somebody say, gained a couple pounds over the last few years, haven't you? <laughs> Whew, that was a tough one for me. Because I did gain a few pounds over a few years. I mean, my gosh, you don't come out this size out of the, your mama's womb, so we've all gained some weight. But anyways, from a certain time periods to other time periods, and I finally realized that the, because of how it, it just crushed me, and some people would be like, Big deal. That's you. That wasn't me. I mean, it tore me up. And I finally realized that that was a way that the enemy would work to try and keep me tripped up. Not just that. There was a lot of other things. And when I finally cut his head off and said, look, whether I'm 150 pounds or 550 pounds, God loves me. God cares about me. I'm accepted in the beloved. And it's no problem. Wouldn't be very healthy, but it's no problem. God cares about me. And when I did that, 
you know that, that people stop saying things to me? And most of the time, it was people that I loved and cared about me. They would say, oh, yeah, they like them donuts or whatever, you know, something stupid like that. You got to watch what you say. Although donuts are good. <laughs> but I finally recognized the enemy's tactics, and I cut it out of my life. And I would pretty much say you could say anything to me, and I won't even feel like punching you. And I, I used to feel that way because I, was, I had shame, and so I was trying to protect the shame that I was dealing with, not just about being a little heavier than I wanted to be, but just about all kinds of stuff. Amen. So that's how that works. I have to show you one. I have to show you this quickly. Isaiah, I have to show you this. Turn to Isaiah. And I believe it's chapter 14. It is. Isaiah 14. If you ever wanted to know why the enemy, why? Why does the enemy hate us so much? Why does he fight against us? What's the reasoning? Look here, and let's put him in his proper place. Isaiah 14. Chapter 14 and verse 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. He was not, and he is not even like the Most High. But he said, I will be like the Most High. You know why he hates us so bad? He's jealous. It's the truth. Because we are like the Most High. It's not in his nature to fight. Did you hear what I said? He doesn't have the same nature that we do. He was, he was a worshiper. I mean, he's, he, Lucifer, I heard one minister say that he didn't just bring music, he was music. And that's why we see the stronghold with music and in, in culture and how the enemy... You, has people make amazing sounding music because a lot of it came from him originally. He's not a man of war. God is, and you are. So the Lord said this to me. There's a question. He said, why are we so afraid of someone who was never made to fight when it's in our very DNA to fight? Let me say that again. Why are we so afraid of someone who wasn't made to fight? Speaking of Satan, formerly known as Lucifer. Why are we so afraid of someone who wasn't made to fight when it's in our very DNA to fight? God's a man of war. He was a man of war before the foundations of the world because Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. That was God contending for relationship with man even before man messed everything up. Wow. To further put him in, a, in his place, it says in verse 15, yet you, you shall be brought down to Sheol, 
to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Who did not open up the house of his prisoners? People are going to look at the enemy at the end of the day and go, My, Why were we afraid of this fool? It's in our very DNA to fight. Fight. Get fight in you. Fan the flame in you that's in you to deal with the things that are dogging your tracks. Let's move forward. Move on. Move up. Take the ground. We shall by all means possess the land. Not just geographical land, but the hearts. I love what my friend Troy said. He said, he said wars are being fought not over territory, but over the hearts of men. It's not land that we want here. We do want land, but that's not the goal. The goal is for people's hearts to be turned from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's to be turned from the evil and the wicked one to be turned into over to Jesus and have relationship with him. That's what we're contending for. Contend for what the enemy is bringing against you. Win and watch what God does with us. Amen. Love you. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.